The following program is a podcast1.com production. I'm so glad to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and your wallet. I want you to learn ideas from me so that you can save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off coming up in a half hour. Could you ever feel more ripped off than buying a used car that ends up being a piece of junk? I want to talk to you about the strategies I recommend for you buying the best used car for your money. And that's coming up in just 30 minutes. Clark.com is our web address. When you're looking for deals, check out ClarkDeals.com. When Hurricane Katrina struck mid-last decade in 2005, to be exact, I was deployed to New Orleans for part of the time of Hurricane Katrina doing medevac in my duties with my state guard. And when I was there, my then teenage daughter was extremely anxious, to say the least, about me being in Louisiana with the danger that was presented during and after Hurricane Katrina and the media reports that were spreading a lot of concern and fear. And I had no way to reach her. There was no cell phone service working. And in fact, for a significant period of time, In Louisiana and Mississippi, after Hurricane Katrina, there was no available cell phone service. And this has been the case in one natural disaster after another, is that what we depend on, our cell phones, were not working. Well, there is a technology that AT&T has developed that is going to provide a level of safety following a disaster that is fantastic. AT&T has developed what they call the flying cow. And they are drone-like temporary cell towers that they're able to put into the air and provide a connection to people. And it will be able to cover an area of 40 square miles. This is big-time stuff, and this is part of where things are headed, not even necessarily for emergencies, as new, very low-cost, easy-to-deploy technologies are coming that are going to give coverage for high-speed internet, coverage for cell, in areas that may be more remote, and in the case of an emergency or disaster, to provide that coverage. One of the things, ironically enough, that has gotten cell phone providers to really focus on the issue of how do you deal with reliability has happened because of high-marquee, high-profile special events like a Super Bowl, where the cell phone companies do extensive planning how to not look bad when there's a great concentration of people and particularly when you have a crowd that tends to be a more influential crowd, which you'll have at a marquee event. And from that learning, they're learning ways to do things that are going to help 
in special circumstances like a disaster and to help just generally to get service to areas where it's not been economic in the past to provide service a traditional way. And I commend AT&T for coming up with what may well be a great solution to be able to help people. One of the things that AT&T talks about is that if there's one of those big wildfires in the western states where it's so important that firefighters be able to maintain communication, that AT&T sees where the flying cows will be able to deploy to the area where uh, a big wildfire or forest fire is being fought. And this is a potential big lifesaver to be able to allow firefighters and, and first responders and emergency responders to be able to stay in touch with each other. Jim joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Jim. Hi, Clark. How are you doing? Oh, okay. You have been frustrated at every turn, apparently, in trying to figure out one of those things that's not normal in our lives. Tell me what the story is. Well, the deal is uh, I have never been a big money earner, and uh, however, I do have some assets, non-financial assets, uh, it is inherited stuff from my mother. It's uh, it's antiques, jewelry, that that sort of thing. And the time has come to uh, deal with that stuff as uh, lucratively as possible. And I have spoken to one of the major auction houses, and what I picked up from them is they are interested in making the lion's share of the money for themselves. And understand well, that they'll hit me with a commission, they'll hit the buyer with a commission, and so forth. And I was just looking for an alternative to that. Well, actually, it is true in the antiques business that usually the um, whoever you go to will take about a third of the action. Wow. And that is because what they're being paid for is their expertise in assessing an item, marketing it, and in the most extreme cases, they're like a bookie. They're making money from both ends of the deal, like you said. They charge you as the seller a fee, and they charge the buyer a commission on top of it. Mm-hmm. And so that is that is true. I mean, that's how that business has worked. So let me give you an alternative. It's okay, going to require you wearing out some shoe leather. Okay. So what people will do is they will take a lot of pictures in full detail of antiques that you have. Mm -hmm. And then in most major markets, there are, for lack of a better term, antique malls where there are people with stalls that specialize in particular types of uh, antiques or furniture, antique furniture that they sell. Right. And you go to those antique malls or antique events with your photos and you go look for people selling things equivalent and see what they will pay you for those items i see so you become essentially your own marketing arm all right that sounds like a good idea now let me tell you what's the bad idea about it okay unless you get multiple quotes from multiple dealers on an item of, of furniture, an antique that you're trying to sell, 
you don't know what really is fair value. I mean, the, the best way to get to that is the multiple quotes. So if you get just a couple of quotes, you may end up getting less money for it than you would with somebody who's a hired gun who's taking 30% or so of the take, but they know the, the fair market value for it, and they may get you a lot more money than you'll get from one of the antique malls or antique shows. So the more quotes you get, the, the better idea you have of what the value really is. Exactly. Right? So in one case, you're almost a passive participant where you're giving up a big portion of the action in return for somebody else taking care of it. Correct. And the other, you're doing the running around yourself, and the more running around you do, the better and closer you get to what would be fair value. Okay, the big challenge now would be going to uh, all those antique malls with my wife and not buying a lot of stuff. Well, see, that could end up being more expensive than you paying a 30% commission or so. Yes, it could. So what do you think you'll do? I think we'll take your advice. That's a good idea. We travel uh, periodically in uh, areas where we see a lot of those antique malls, and there are are several here in town. So we could just uh, go around and take a look and and see what these people think. That's that's a good approach, and I thank you for that suggestion. Well, best of luck, and I hope you're able to turn it into some meaningful cash. Aaron is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Aaron. How can I serve you? So I'm currently paying for college out of pocket, and I heard you talking about the 529 plans, and I was wondering if there's a way I could funnel money through one of those plans to pay for college for myself to avoid taxes. You can. You can have a 529 account and name yourself as the beneficiary of it. But if you're already in school, the tax-free benefit isn't really going to help you. Because the way the tax-free benefit works is over the years, if you contribute to a 529 account and you have years, hopefully, that the account grows, where you have earnings on the account, those earnings flow tax-free if used for an eligible college expense. If you're already in school and money you would put in would be used within months or a few years, you don't have the time for the money to get any kind of real growth, that the fact that it's tax-free is worth it. Got it. Okay, thank you. Sure. So it is absolutely A-OK to have your own 529 account for your own benefit, but in in your circumstance, it's really a no-go. Cool. All right. Well, thanks anyway. All right. But I'm, I love it when people are thinking of every possible angle, just like you are, Aaron. Chelsea's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Chelsea. Hi, how are you? Great, thank you, Chelsea. But you had something nasty happen to you. What's that? Yes, definitely. Um, my purse was stolen. Um, and, of course, I had to report um, my credit cards that were stolen. Uh, they sent me new ones. I got new accounts. And... Uh, um, I just bought a new car, actually, and I found out that my credit score dropped 100 points. And now, now, your credit score should not have been affected a single point from yeah, replacement. I, I, of, I don't understand what happened. Well, it shouldn't. nothing should have happened negative to you from 
this happening were any new accounts opened specifically by the criminals? No, nothing. As far as I know, nothing was used. Have you seen Um, your most recent credit report to see if everything looks right? I requested a copy of it. I haven't received it yet. You can get it right now. I mean, right after you hang up from me, you can go to the website, Mm annualcreditreport.com, and you can pull up a copy for free once Mm -hmm. each year of any of your credit reports. Okay. So you should get it because if if a card is stolen and they just issue you a new card, that is not a new application of credit. Right. It in no way should affect your credit score, credit standing. Period. Does it matter that I got a new account number? No. No, that's a standard procedure when an account number is compromised, but that is not a new extension of credit period right right so that there either it's i can't think of what kind of fluke it would be so all i can guess is that maybe one of the card issuers messed up and treated the replacement of a stolen card as a new application for credit but even that shouldn't have dropped your score 100 points do you know for certain that the car dealer you were dealing with was telling you the straight story? Yeah, they they uh, checked my they checked my credit. I had a hard inquiry on my credit report. You had a hard inquiry. Yep. All right. That's why I especially want you to get your credit reports to see if anything funny has happened. Anybody attempted to apply for credit as if they're you. Well, I think it was because of the car that I, um, you know, I had to apply for the financing. All right. Well, that that hard inquiry should not have affected you instantly at that point applying for credit should not have affected your score. Let me tell you how it works. You could go to 20 car dealers and, uh, and look at buying a car from any of them and all in a couple-week period, that's treated as a single application for credit that would have a minor impact on your score. Once you get your report, see if anything weird is on there, and then I want you to go to creditkarma.com, K-A-R-M-A.com, and track your score over time and see what they're showing on your credit. Because there may be more to this story than anybody has told you, or actually less today's clark rageous moment is so important to you because the way scams work the way frauds work they go in waves and there's a wave right now that you want to have yourself protected from i need to give you the life preserver scams ripoffs outrages it's a clark rageous moment A new federal report says that the second largest number of complaints coming into a federal agency, the Federal Trade Commission, about scams involves what's known as imposter fraud. And this is a fast-growing area of criminal activity where you are approached, called, or contacted in any form or fashion by someone who pretexts pretending to be from your bank 
or from a federal agency or from the police or whatever. And before you know it, you have given up personal information or money to someone who has nothing to do with the organization they pretend to be from. Know this. When someone creates what's known as first contact, they call you, text you, email you, whatever, do not respond to them with any personal information and never any money. Whenever someone contacts you and pretends to be from an organization, what you do is you say, well, thank you for that information. I'll contact you. And then you hang up and you call an organization at the number you know to be theirs. And almost always you'll find out they're fraudsters. You know, if you're looking to buy paper towels or a can of beans, knowing what other people paid for them isn't really that important. Paper towels, it's beans. But for a big purchase, like a car, that kind of information isn't just helpful, it's essential. Well, with TrueCar, you can do just that. You see, TrueCar lets you see what other people in your area paid for the car that you're looking to buy, which will help you determine a fair price. And the best part? You can work directly with a TrueCar certified dealer to establish a fair price before you even show up on the lot. Yeah, that's right. TrueCar certified dealers have all the same information you do and are just there to help you get the car you want while offering you a faster, easier buying experience. Who doesn't want that? And knowing what others have paid has helped TrueCar users save an average of over $3,000 off MSRP. So when you're ready to buy that car, there's only one place to go. Visit TrueCar and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. You can get it at TrueCar.com or the super easy to use TrueCar app. Some features not available in all states. I'm glad you're with us on the Clark Howard Show where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our website. When you have a question for me, Clark.com slash ask. I think about the calls that we talk about among ourselves as a staff, and we have an expression we use, I'm going to keep family friendly, but we call it car call Monday, cleaning it up, that we get so many calls from people who are in some kind of nightmarish disaster, almost always with a used car they purchased that turns out to be a piece of junk. And so people are calling me, asking me, what do I do? What do I do about this thing? And the reality is, most of the time, after the fact, there are no easy answers. Because although there are people selling used cars doing so in an ultra-customer-friendly way like CarMax and Carvana, For the most part, when you buy a used car, it's completely buyer beware. So there are things I want you to do when you're looking at buying a used car, because this is a case where the prevention is so much easier than the cure. You do it right up front, and you eliminate the overwhelming odds that you'll buy something that's nothing but a nightmare. And it starts with something you may not think of at all as being part of the process. But the first thing you do is you go to your credit union, and if you're not a member of one, you go join one, 
and you get pre-approved for a used vehicle loan from the credit union. Credit unions write loans incredibly cheaper than traditional banks. And so the credit union is the first stop because you know how much money you're good for, what kind of interest rate you're going to pay, what kind of monthly payment that would be in your life. And then it narrows down so much the focus of what vehicles will be within your budget. And Consumer Reports has just published a list of the most reliable used cars you can get in America, ranging from typically vehicles that are 5000 or so up to roughly $20,000, although they have a few that you can run past that if you buy a fancy used luxury vehicle. But as an example, the vehicle that is really relatively affordable, that is perhaps one of the most reliable cars you can buy in America, is the Honda Fit. And you can buy one from model years 07 to 11 and buy in single digits, meaning under $10,000. You can buy a newer one and pay more, but no matter what model year, pretty much the Honda Fit has been phenomenally reliable. Also making the cut, a discontinued brand, one model, the Pontiac Vibe up to model year 2010, you can buy those roughly at 5000 or so. The Toyota Corolla, always on the list. Also, if you buy a Corolla up to 2011, you should be able to buy one at single digit under 10000 Toyota Matrix makes the list. Toyota Prius, every single year possible. And the older Priuses, because nobody cares about gas prices, are again under $10,000. Honda Accord, Toyota Avalon, Toyota Camry, all make the list, depending on the model year, starting at below $10,000 up. And then when you look at luxury cars, you're looking at more uh, $10,000 to $25,000, depending on the model year. The ones that made the cut is the most reliable used vehicles you can buy, Acura TL, Acura TSX, Buick Verano, Infiniti M, uh, Hybrid, the Lexus 200H, Lexus ES, Lexus GS, Lexus IS, Lexus LS. Now think about that with Lexus. That dovetails exactly with what I told you about weeks ago, that in J.D. Power's survey of the most reliable vehicles through their first three years of ownership, Lexus was the number one most reliable vehicle sold in the United States. And others that made the list, Toyota Prius V, which is the kind of like the microvan, the Toyota Venza, and Honda CRV, Buick Encore, Subaru Forester, Subaru XV Crosstrek, Toyota RAV4, Toyota Highlander, Lexus RX, Toyota 4Runner, Toyota Highlander. You hear it again and again, right? Toyota Honda, Toyota Honda. 
and then the Honda Ridgeline, Toyota Tundra. Those are the vehicles that made the ultimate list from Consumer Reports of the most reliable used cars, again, from $5,000 on up generally to $20,000. Again, some of the luxury vehicles bleed past that $20,000 that you can buy. But even if you limit your search to those roughly 30 vehicles, you need to have any used vehicle you're considering buying Check two ways. One, run a vehicle title history. We have a link at Clark.com where you can now do that for free. And absolutely, I don't care how reliable a brand, no matter how beautiful the car looks on the lot, you have it checked out by a mechanic of your choosing as a condition of purchase. Because if you don't, and they haven't disclosed problems with that vehicle, you're stuck with those problems. Judy joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Judy. Hi. Judy, you're moving. Yes, I am. Where are you moving from and to? We're moving cross-country. We're in New York State presently, and we're moving south. And where are you moving in the south? Uh, We're moving to the great state of Georgia. Okay, that may be a little bit of culture shock for you, moving from New York. So uh, we have uh, Krista on our crew who relocated from New York to Georgia. How can I be of help with that? Well, I'm just wondering. uh, It is a big decision to move, and a couple things come into play. We own a home um, or have a mortgage on a home, and we're contemplating should we sell the house we currently own in New York State and purchase a home down in the area that we're relocating, or could the money that we get from the house in New York be used and invested in a way that might be uh, better for us in the time of life that we are in? We're empty nesters in our early 50s and just aren't sure if real estate is something we should be uh, investing. Right. So So if I followed the question for the real estate in New York, you would sell it under any either scenario, or you might, in the second scenario, keep that property? Uh, we're kind of in that uh, the middle ground. I think uh, we're going to eventually sell it. I think that's what we've come to that conclusion, that we are going to sell it. And but how is not, real estate doing in your immediate vicinity in New York? Well, right now, because it is, I, I guess I can call it spring now, uh, it's slow, but... And there's not a lot on the market right now, and I anticipate it picking up hopefully in the summer months. Just a little backstory is we live in a very family-friendly neighborhood by schools and parks, and our thought is family that wants to purchase a home like ours is going to want to move in during the summertime. How much would you guess your home is worth? I'm hoping it's worth uh, 250 Okay, that price point... You're better off selling than you are keeping as any kind of rental property. Okay. And so I think it would make sense for you to test the market. On the thing of, of coming south and right away buying a home in, in your new adopted state of Georgia, I would tell you that even though the economics would be, still be very favorable for you to buy instead of rent and mortgage mm-hmm. rates still remain quite low, 
I would love it if when you move south, you sign a six-month lease somewhere. Figure okay. out if if it really is the right move for you to live in an entirely different part of the country and where you might choose, if you do want to stay, where you might choose that you want to live may turn out to be a very different neighborhood or, or area or part of a town six months in than it would be coming in really uninitiated. Okay. And, yeah, it could cost you some in what you pay in a mortgage interest rate, probably not a lot different than what you'd pay in a price. Right. But I think the value of giving yourself six months to really get your sea legs in a new area is invaluable. Because, you know, it's harder it's harder to sell a house than it is to say, oh, we're not renewing our lease. That's true. That's and, true. And I guess what I'm struggling with right now is I'm old school. Back in the day, real estate was considered a good investment. And I don't know if I have um, the mindset that's relevant now. Is that still the case? Well, real estate is, uh, given enough time, it is a better choice in most places than renting. Okay. But given enough time, which generally okay. means somewhere around the seven-year mark or longer, okay. it becomes more of a no-brainer to own instead of rent in yeah. a lot of places, except maybe Boston, Washington, maybe New York City. It's generally a better idea no matter how long you stay. Okay. But I would take it slow, and, and real estate as, an, as a quote-unquote investment is really more an investment and a place to live and fixing the cost of the housing when you own it versus rents that can step up over time. But it's not a classic investment like owning stocks or bonds or mutual funds or index funds. Mindy is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Mindy. How are you? Hey, Clark. Doing fine. Thanks. Thanks for trying to answer my question. We have um, a cable provider through whom we pay $225 a month for a phone line, a landline, internet service, and five TVs. $225 a month? <laughs> yes. I know. Wow. It's so easy for you to reduce your costs. I, I don't even know where to start. I know. Well, okay, so that's why I'm calling, because I tried to go at this this weekend and see if we could change to VOIP for our phones, and three of the TVs I wanted to mention are smart TVs, so they can stream content over the internet anyway but my husband likes sports and i know this new thing sling supposedly gives you access to sports gives you it only gives you espn and espn 2 plus a small package of other channels but you only can watch it on one of your five tvs it's not like netflix or hulu where you can watch it on or you can watch it on one at a time so whatever room he's in he can be watching the sling tv but you can't watch in multiple rooms. He can pay okay. f- uh, $5 more, go from 20 to 25 a month, and get a lot more sports channels with it. Okay. But it is, it's a real deal if you can cobble it together where you have Netflix, maybe, and you have Hulu Plus, maybe. And um, if you have Amazon Prime, you automatically get their programming package. And you can take the TV portion and squeeze that bill way down from where you are right now. So what do I say to my cable provider when I call? How do I explain this to them? Because when I call and ask for what the reduced packages are, they 
Oh, all you want from them is you want uh, you want to get the internet connection. Okay. And as far as phone, I want you to, after you hang up to go look at Uma O O M A dot com. Okay. As a replacement for the phone service that's in that package. Okay. It'll cost you roughly three or four dollars a month for Uma, and okay. it'll be a better phone service than you get from the Cable Monster. Do you have to buy it like a little converter box? Yeah, you buy a box for seventy nine to one hundred and forty nine dollars, depending on where you buy it and huh. when. You know, depending on when it's on sale. So if you do the Uma, you do Sling, you do um, Hulu, you do Netflix, you'll have tons of television, shocking coverage of TV programming, more than anybody could ever watch, and you only buy the internet connection from the cable company or the phone company, and you'll cut your bill from 225 to maybe under 100 Steve's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Steve. Hello, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. You got a question for me about getting rid of a mortgage. I love that thought. Yeah, I've got an interesting situation for myself here. I work overseas part-time. All my income is derived from overseas except for my rental property incomes, which are based here in the States. What I'm looking to do is I have a brokerage account with some cash sitting in there. I'm doing nothing. It's in a money market account getting less than 1%. And I'm contemplating paying off one of my mortgages in full so I can free up some cash flow. And the mortgage is carrying a rate of four point something or five point something. It's an investment property, and I did it a few years ago, so it's seven percent. Oh, pay it uh, off. To refinance. No, no, pay I, it I tried off. To refinance, but pay it off. Just pay it off. There are questions I'm asked with mortgages where it gets into a real gray zone. But if you have a rental property and you're paying a carry of seven percent, just go mortgage debt free on that thing. There's no advantage to you earning 1% in savings and then paying 7% on the mortgage. Okay. What about taking that money and buying another rental property? Well, think of it if you did it another way. If you were to pay off that mortgage and then you find another rental property you want, you could take out a mortgage on it, a fresh mortgage on it, And based on the conditions in the marketplace and your credit score, you'd probably finance that new rental property somewhere in the fours. Even if it's an investment property? Yeah. Yeah, because rates are so depressed right now on mortgages. And usually with a rental property, you'll pay one-half to five-eighths point higher rate than you would for owner-occupied property. The spread used to be larger but right now it tends to cap out for people with good credit at about five-eighths of a point higher. The one problem I have, and maybe there's a way around this, I haven't found it yet, is because my income is derived overseas, banks don't want to talk to me. Well, that's why you need to be with a small, local, one- or two-office bank that is going to hold an investment property loan, what's known as in their portfolio, where they're writing the loan, they keep it in-house, and they don't have to worry about Fannie, Freddie, underwriting guidelines. They're making a decision based on you. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans proudly supports this podcast. When it comes to the big decision of choosing a mortgage lender, it's important to work with someone you can trust, someone who's got your best interests in mind. 
And with Rocket Mortgage, you'll get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Don't waste time searching through stacks of paperwork. With Rocket Mortgage, you can securely share your financial info to get a mortgage approval in just minutes. You can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure that you get the mortgage solution that's right for you. So whether you're looking to buy a home or refinance your existing mortgage, you can lift the burden of getting a home loan with Rocket Mortgage. Skip the bank. Skip the waiting. Go completely online at quickenloans.com slash save. That's quickenloans.com slash S-A-V-E. Let Rocket Mortgage help you get the exact mortgage solution that you need. Go to quickenloans.com slash save. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org number 3030. I'm so glad you're with us on the Clark Howard Show where it's all about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our website. When you look for deals, look no further than ClarkDeals.com as we keep you up to date on the latest, greatest ways for you to stretch that dollar. I want you to understand something. When I do this show, I do it for one purpose and one purpose only. And that is for us to learn together ways that we can take more control of our lives and our futures. And when I answer a question when somebody calls in or when I give an opinion at the top or bottom of an hour. I'm doing so for that purpose. But there are times you'll feel like I'm not succeeding, or even worse, that I'm giving someone bad advice, or that my opinions are loco. I need your feedback so I can get better at what I do and serve you better. And that's why for the last, gosh, 15 years, I guess, We've had the forum at Clark.com called Clark Stinks, where you can go and if you're mad at me, blow off steam. If you feel like I need uh, better information than I'm giving, you can post there. If you feel I'm just wrong, I want you to post at Clark Stinks. And then weekly, Krista, our producer, goes through your posts on Clark Stinks, and we do a Clark Stinks segment right here on the air. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. All right, let's see. Clark, I took your advice at face value and opened a large account, more than $25,000, at my local credit union rather than add to the big monster mega bank. I thought that would start me down the road of a great relationship. A few weeks later, I decided to open a HELOC, not to draw from, but to have just in case. The terms the credit union gave me were awful. They had a floor of 4%, could not go lower than that, and they would not give me the formula they used to determine the interest rate, i.e. prime plus blank percent. So just for the heck of it, I went to my Monster Mega Bank. The name is in in the sporting name Steeplechase. They immediately gave me the formula and had no floor, so it opened at 3.68%. This was a very simple transaction. They paid all closing costs and the interest rate was lower. So I guess it just goes to show one rule does not fit all. Thoughts? That is completely true. When I give advice and when I talk about something as a monolith, like I do talking about the... what it. What did our poster call it instead of Giant Monster Mega Bank? Uh, 
let's see. The big monster mega bank. Big monster. See, I use giant monster mega bank. And then I talk about credit unions, that everybody should be a member of a credit union. You know, those are truly blanket statements. And generally, the it's going to be true that you're going to get much better deal, much better treatment from a credit union than one of the four giant monster mega banks. But it's not always going to be true. As an example, sometimes with credit cards, the deal is going to be better from one of the four giant monster mega banks than it would be from a credit union. It's just an example. And not all credit unions are created equal. They're all co-ops, but some may be very well run, others not so much. Others may be savers oriented, others may be borrowers oriented, meaning they give uh, very poor returns on savings, so they can give great deals on loans. So, yes, I do speak in broad general statements, and sometimes I do that to excess. I heard Clark speak to a child of an older couple. One was a veteran while the spouse was not. They were discussing burial options for the parents when the time comes. One option Clark did not suggest was the non-veteran spouse and dependent, that non-veteran spouse and dependents can be buried within the with the veteran spouse if they're buried in a national cemetery. The VA burial benefits page explains these specifics, and they put the link. I appreciate that very much. That's the second time, probably in two months, that someone has pointed out where I failed to properly speak to the veteran's benefits in terms of burial. And I apologize that I don't know as much about that as I should. Clark, love your show and your integrity and have learned a lot from you over the years. So I was appalled to hear you praise ZocDoc, which is a paid marketing site for physicians. As a primary care physician, I've been approached many times by them to list with them. They have various tier offers and I have refused. The only physicians who are on their site are the ones who have paid to be there. Keep the otherwise good work, Sam. Sam, I appreciate that. For some reason... Medicine has not reached the point that so many other products and services have about the ability to comparison shop and locate, in the case of medicine, to locate a provider online and read reviews online. Anybody who's an entrepreneur out there, I want you to know this is an area of big opportunity, a wide open space. Clark, a woman, there was a woman on the podcast who called regarding her missing W-2 form, and unfortunately, you forgot to tell her something that she could have done about someone filing a fraudulent tax return in her name. I had a similar experience a few years back, and after waiting a couple of weeks for that missing W-2, I went ahead and filed a preemptive ID theft form with the IRS. You do not need a police report to do this. Once you file this form, the IRS will send you a five- to six-digit PIN every single year. You need that pin on your tax return in order for them to process your return. Even if an ID theft gets a hold of your pin for this year, after you've filed your return, it is completely useless since you get a new pin the following year. Oh, Clark, given that you constantly advise people to freeze their credit files, I'm shocked that you have never mentioned this on your podcast. At least I've never heard you mention it, AJ. AJ, you did a very smart thing, and it actually is something that's come up on our show in particular, the fact that residents of, I think it's two states and Washington, D.C., are allowed preemptively to request an IRS pen to do taxes. The states are, if I remember right, Georgia and Florida, maybe, and Washington, D.C., that may be right. And it, the IRS has always looked at it as a pilot program. 
I wish that it became something that was available to all taxpayers across the 50 states that would be an, uh, a tax preparation equivalent of credit freeze to prevent proactively anybody from filing a return as if they're you. But if there is an issue involving potential tax ID theft, you can do just what our poster said and go ahead and enroll in the IRS PIN program that will prevent, I can't say 100% prevent, but just about 100% prevent someone filing a return falsely as if they're you. All right. The title of this post is Las Vegas Sucks. Clark, you stink about Las Vegas. You told a lady listener how great Vegas will be for her and that it's the greatest destination. The truth is it really sucks. The great place the place is ultra expensive, filthy, and smells like pot everywhere, not to mention the poverty, disrepaired Section 8 housing, and crime-infested neighborhoods. Every casino is filled with smoke, drunk people, and overly priced things that you don't need. Oh, by the way, the Grand Canyon is more than four hours away, and it's $79 to go on the Skywalk. Also, the Smithsonian Museums are not free. I was sick of this trashy Sin City after one week. Peace out, Clark. Jet. Jet. Man. All right, so I don't gamble. I don't drink. I don't party. But there's something about Las Vegas that just the people watching is extraordinary. Vegas does have the problems with poverty and addiction that the poster said. But there's a lot about Las Vegas that can be a fun experience for someone. I'm I'm sorry that it was such a downer for you. And Las Vegas does have, the metro area has some magnificently beautiful areas and uh, neighborhoods surrounded by very picturesque mountains. Do as I say, not as I do. I like Clark's anecdote about lecturing some teens in a car about what you drive has nothing to do with whether you're rich or poor. This conversation took place in his Tesla, question mark? (laughs) Oh, boy. So uh, let me say something about driving a Tesla. Is anybody in our crew can tell you that is so out of my character and so out of my box, but I am such a believer and what they are doing and trying to revolutionize transportation worldwide, that I was willing to go way outside of my comfort zone and buy a car that is a budget buster, at least the original Tesla Model S and the X are budget busters, because I believe that we have such opportunity here to change the equation about how we power transportation worldwide and the whole idea of self-driving vehicles. So, yes, it is, on the face of it, 100% hypocritical and out of character that I drive a Tesla. And did you take out a seven-year loan? No, I pay cash. Exactly. I don't don't borrow money. I don't... I mean, that's just my defense of you. Like, you can, you know, it depends. It's not your budget wasn't busted, but... But but it's that's something that I don't like to talk about because it sounds terrible that I say I just paid cash for something. You saved your whole life. Okay, we won't go into this. It's Clark Stinks. <laughs> okay, 
parent opening a Roth for a child. Once again, you're using the four-letter words on air, Clark, and this time it's spelled R-O-T-H. Well, it may seem like a responsible decision to open a Roth account for a child who cannot be trusted with $5,000. Your suggestion is inviting nothing but trouble for both mom and her adult son. Should mom also keep the 5498 form secret from the son so he doesn't report it on his annual tax report? The IRS also gets a copy, so it's no secret to them, and failing to report the contribution not only results results in filing errors, but can trigger penalties and forfeiture of the Roth eligibility. Before this can occur, she must open the account. Recall that Roth is a form of an IRA, which means individual retirement account. Her son, the individual and owner of the account, didn't sign the application, so it's implied that mom signs his name to the application. In summary, the advice to the caller is that mom should commit fraud so the son can file false tax returns. If she calls back, let's hope the legal guidance is more sound than the financial advice. If you didn't hear that call, what it's about is how can a parent give money to a child where the child doesn't have the maturity level yet to handle the money that's flowed into their lives. And I was giving, as I explain anytime I do that, that I'm giving advice that is not uh, by the book legally, but within a family, it's a practical thing that people will do in order to keep someone's immaturity from causing themselves harm. And I appreciate that post. Clark, usually I love you, but this time I have to point out that you stink. On a recent show, you mentioned that many Gen X folks don't go to the doctor for checkups. I'm surprised that I have to point out the high deductible price of most insurance plans. I'd love to go get a physical, blood work, and preventative checkups, but with a $2,500 deductible, that's money we can't afford to spend right now. I already pay a large amount for that insurance, but it's just not practical for many of us. If you know of better options, please let us know on air. Thanks, Brian. Brian, thank you, and the practicality of the deductibility is a big issue. In parts of the country, there are organizations that provide your care in a whole different way. An example that people are very familiar with, specifically in California, is Kaiser Permanente, where you were able to get things like physicals as part of having your health coverage through them at just what your normal visit charge would be, typically $35. And so the idea of having an ultra-high deductible health insurance plan for many people, as a practical matter, does just what our poster said, eliminates your ability to get the checkups, to get the physicals. And that is something that I probably should have mentioned in the midst of talking about people ignoring their health. Because sometimes people ignore their health because of dollars and cents. I appreciate your posts. Please go to Clark.com, go to Clark Stinks, and let me know where I'm missing the mark. Heidi is with us on the Clark Howard Show. And Heidi, you want to look for the best deal on just buying the internet. Is that right? Yes, thank you. I was just wondering if there's a... um, Not the national companies that are so big. They seem to bundle a lot. So I was wondering if there's anything that you know of that's just high-speed Internet. In most places in America, you can only buy from the big phone company, AT&T, Verizon, or if you live in an area with a smaller phone company, or from the cable monopoly. Right. Those are the only two choices you have, and they're both into the bundle 
big time. That's all they'll talk to you about, right? Yes. Right, let me tell you here. a little secret about the phone company. Many times the phone company will sell you. They won't promote it. You'll have to dig around their website to find it. But they'll sell you internet only, usually at about $20 a month. Yeah, that's the kind of deal I'm looking for. I just want to minimize some of my utilities and maybe get rid of TV and stuff like that just for now and just see what I can save if I'm just going to the high-speed Internet. And you're right, you can't really find that information very easily. Yeah, and the and particularly at AT&T, their people on the line are under intense pressure, obviously, from management at AT&T to right. beat the customer over the head or even the prospective customer Buy this, buy that, buy this, buy that, buy this, buy that. And the worst, most insulting thing that I've heard again and again from people with AT&T is that if you're calling with a problem, the people won't help you with the problem till they've tried, I've been told, they have to try three times to upsell your existing service from AT&T. Yeah, I'm not surprised. So you have to be just as aggressive the other way and say, now, I thought you had a $20 a month internet package, internet only. Could I, right. I want to know the no-frills internet package that I hear is $20 a month. And you just keep saying that till finally the person will relent and say, well, yeah, we do have it. We call it the blah, 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 terrible plan. But yes, you can have the blah, 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 terrible plan. And so you got to push that way. With the cable companies, those equivalent prices – tend to be 30 to $40 a month, but you tend to get a faster internet service than you do with the phone company. Hey guys, David Smalley here, reminding you to check out Dogma Debate on the Podcast One app, iTunes, and basically everywhere else you could possibly hear a podcast. Dogma Debate is basically a way for you to peek in on conversations you've always wondered about. Say a hardcore anti-gay preacher meets an atheist who knows the Bible like the back of his hand, or a far-left social justice warrior meets a different kind of liberal who doesn't want to join in on the riots. On Dogma Debate, I talk to people who completely disagree with me, and I let them tell me why they think I'm wrong, why I should be on their team, and why they take such an extreme stance. And sometimes you'll just hear me hanging out with like-minded people and laughing during segments like Republicans Say the Darndest Things or Fact Check Yo Mama. It all happens on Dogma Debate, right here on Podcast One. Stay tuned for 60 seconds of AP News headlines right after this podcast. So glad you're with us on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. Our web address, Clark.com. When you're looking for deals, ClarkDeals.com. You know what's not going to be a deal? Car insurance. Because of what we've talked about on the show with the rapid increase in the number of people being injured in auto accidents, the number of fatalities in auto accidents, almost certainly because of people looking at their smartphones instead of driving, I think that's exactly at the heart of this. The claims being filed with auto insurers are skyrocketing. And so what you're going to pay for auto insurance, normally, you know, I say there's no relationship between what it costs somebody to provide a product or service to you 
and what they sell it to you for. The free market sets the price. But right now there's a pattern with auto insurance that means that insurers, as best they can, are going to be running up those premiums on you. And they have been, for the last few years, premium increases have been really large, much larger than would be a normal cycle. And it's because insurers normally, when when you sell insurance, what you like to do is you price it out where you collect in premiums some amount more than what you're going to pay out. But generally, because the competitive marketplace, you're not charging a huge amount more, which may surprise you. But today, the average auto insurer is paying out more than 85 cents for every dollar they bring in in premiums. That means they got to run the whole operation and make their profit for stockholders on the difference between the premiums they collect and what they're paying out. Now, historically, insurers tended to be somewhere between 75 and 78 cents, kind of right in that range, that they would pay out for every dollar they brought in. But I think everybody in the industry has been caught unawares and shocked by the massive increase in accidents, injuries, and fatalities in the last two years. As smartphones have become ubiquitous, we use them for so many things, people can't take their eyes off of them. So two things. One, if I were an insurer facing this, I would offer my insureds a discount if they would allow one of the apps that takes control of your phone when you're in motion and will not allow you to be on your phone when the vehicle is moving. Makes the phone basically dead. Because we can't seem to control our human impulses. And so why not use technology to stop technology from causing harm? Just a thought. But the bigger thing for you is the turmoil is so extreme right now in the sale of auto insurance, and insurers are all reacting to it differently, um, rating people differently, that for you, this more than any other time I can recall in my 30-plus years on the air, it is so important that you shop your auto insurance. Because if you don't shop it, when you get hit with a huge premium increase, you're just a sitting duck. And even in a time where premiums are running up and insurers are getting their margins squeezed, there is an advantage to shopping because just by how one insurer may rate you versus another or what factors they may use to decide what you should pay versus another. And the stakes have gotten higher because the cost of insurance in just a few short years 
the average premium for somebody is up, I think it's like 20-some-odd percent. And in this case, the problem is not the insurer, it's you and me. Ken is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Ken. Hi, Clark. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, thank you. How can I be of service? Well, you know, uh, a few weeks ago, my ninth grade daughter came home from school and said that her teacher, one of her teachers, had recommended her for a summer conference in Washington, D.C. So she's all excited about that. And uh, last night I got a, I guess, the uh, preliminary letter for the parents. And, uh, you know, it lists out a whole bunch of great stuff and says my daughter's been recommended due to her high academic achievements and her leadership uh, abilities and all this. And it sounds good. So looked up their site, got on there, found out it's, you know, $2,200 plus travel plus lodging plus, plus, plus. Yeah, you can. T- yeah. How many people are there in your family? Uh, four. You can take a family of four for significantly less than what these supposed conferences that are like honor groups, what it costs for just her to go. And there, I, I wouldn't put these in a category that you would call a scam. I would almost call it like a scheme. And the teacher did not do anything wrong. The teacher may really think that, uh, that she's doing a good thing by nominating your child. And so the teacher's not in, in the scheme in any way. But this is, this is not something you should spend your money on. Well, that was my thought, too. We did a little research on the Internet, and it definitely didn't get good reviews. I didn't see anything like I said that, that it was a scam, but... It definitely doesn't look like a good deal, and I know we could go up there for a lot cheaper. And the problem is that many times a a student will feel like, wow, I'm really being recognized as a great honor. I can't wait to be part of it. And so parents feel pressured to go ahead and pay the big money for a child to participate. But it is not at all like how they would portray themselves. So. Yeah. Will your ninth grader be able to handle the disappointment? Oh, she'll definitely handle it. I didn't want to have to dole it out if it wasn't true, but uh, I was pretty afraid that that's what it was. Okay. Well, sorry about that, but no, no problem. Obviously, her teacher, whole family. Obviously, her teacher is very impressed with her, and that's the important thing. Oh. So we. Uh, this is weird, Ken. We have a call from Rick about a different group. Rick, do you have a, a high school or a college student we're calling about? Uh, high school. My son's a junior. All right. And your son got, as a coincidence, a similar kind of thing? Yes, sir. Um, received an invitation. was nominated through a school teacher uh, to attend a, a congress in Boston this summer. It's a three-day event. Um, not quite as expensive as costly as Ken's example. I think they won $1,000 plus. Um, travel, food, and lodging. Um, wow. And it's to promote um, interest in science and technology and engineering. They've got some pretty big names involved at this conference. So I'm trying and, to determine if it's something I should, it would be beneficial to expose my son to. Now, I, I see the name of the particular one that he has been invited to participate in and that one is not on my radar it's a group i have never 
heard of before. The other one I didn't bother to mention uh, is one that has been on my radar for a long time. Uh, so yep. this one I can't speak to it, as to whether it is one that is just a scheme or is a truly legitimate opportunity for your child. And $1,000 to participate in a three-day conference for corporate kind of conferences, that's run-of-the-mill kind of pricing. For a child, a high school junior going to a conference, and it doesn't include any of the other expenses, that sounds pricey to me. The, the research I've been able to do shows that this is a newer organization, but somehow they may be affiliated with uh, maybe a sister company that put on a similar uh, event for potent- children interested in becoming a physician, hmm. um, you know, going into the medical field. And some of the feedback online said that the people that attended thought it was beneficial, and the only negatives were from people that didn't attend that thought it may be a scam. So I'm kind of stuck. So um, I'll tell you, you might find, what you want to find is you want to find people who actually attended who didn't like it to get a different sense of opinion and then try to make a better judgment. And what you can do is put in the name of the conference on a, a search on any of the search engines and add the word ripoff to it. And then what will come to the head of the line will be anybody who has a beef about it. And you may find people who've actually attended who can give you a better sense and then make your own judgment from the people you've read who attended it, who felt it was useful, and then people who attended who did not feel it and felt like their money was thrown away. Great, I'll do that. And it wouldn't hurt to ask the teacher who nominated your junior whether uh, they have any firsthand knowledge of this or how it came on their radar as an organization to nominate your child for. I, I did do that yesterday, and uh, I believe this is an inaugural event. Um, oh, so this, oh, that this makes is, this tough. Right. So $1,000 plus travel expenses – What's that going to do to you and your family budget? If my expectations are met, and that would be to expose him, you know, to some uh, experts in, in, in those fields and truly see if that's something he wants to pursue in his college career, I thought it might be a good opportunity for he and I to, you know, I would go with him and, you know, spend some time together. But I think we could afford that if I thought it was beneficial. All right. I have one idea. It just came to me, and this may be a bad idea. It's just something popped in my head. If you called the department head at a university near you that uh, offers a respected science program, a science degree program of various types, or computer tech, and ask what the department head, he or she feels about your son attending this and whether it would be useful for him, that may help you in a generic sense. Great idea. Because I, I don't want to just flat out say, don't do this. As a general rule, these things have not been a, a, a good purchase, but I don't want to dismiss it out of hand when it has no track record. Dave is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Dave. 
Hello, Howard. It is uh, Clark. It is such a privilege to speak with you. I truly appreciate it. Well, thank you. It's great to have you here, Dave. How can I serve you? All right. Uh, real quick, uh, my wife and I got married four years ago. Best thing that ever happened to me besides the birth of my children. And we had planned, based upon my income and hers, to get debt-free in a very short period of time. A few months after we got married, my company sold. They didn't bring me with them. Aww. So I've had a couple of decent jobs, but nowhere near 50% of what my income was. My wife makes good income. But our debt is in, you know, our debt is climbing and it's climbing all the time because of the interest rates on our credit cards. We have about forty we have about forty five thousand dollars worth of cumulative debt all over the place that we would love to get rid of. We have four hundred one ks that we can borrow against, and then the only thing that we would have would be a uh, uh, a home loan, which is we we should already refinance and brought everything down as as low as we could, and. Uh, that's my question. I mean, should, should we go there and uh, just get rid of these headaches? Well, so the question is, if you were to take 45000 as a loan against the 401k, yes, sir. and you then would be paying back a loan probably around 6%? Four. Four. Okay. That's a very, very attractive thing, especially if you're paying higher interest rate credit card debt. There are a couple of things. One is that are you going to continue to deficit spend that you'd end up charging up credit card debt to some extent moving forward? Or if you didn't have that credit card debt, are you in a position that you would not need to borrow any more at all? The second, we have been really great about, you know what, when life hits you in the face, you shrink down to what you have to do. And we still have a wonderful life without going into debt. It's just, the plans, the best laid plans of mice and men. We had a schedule, and life just cut us off by fifty percent. Okay, so the, the here's the here's where the rubber really meets the road. If uh, you borrow from the four hundred one k, and you leave the job or lose the job, the forty five thousand you borrowed from the four hundred one k is due almost immediately in full, or it triggers a tax disaster. Okay. So uh, typical taxpayer ends up with a tax liability of tax and penalties on a premature withdrawal from a 401k of around 44%. Okay, well, we wouldn't be touching mine. We'd be touching my wife's. Her job is extremely secure. She's been at the same company 26 years. Okay, uh, then then I, I'm always reluctant to say yes, but you're giving me no choice here other than to say yes. Well, I don't want you to say yes if you don't want to. No, no, no. What I mean is I'm always terrified of telling anyone that I'm giving them a green light to borrow from a 401k to deal with other debt. Mm -hmm. But if you're certain you're not going to go into debt with the credit cards at all going forward and her job's really secure, then Mm -hmm. it's just a smart decision to go from if you're at the typical average interest rate of about 17 or 18 percent on credit cards Mm – and you mm-hmm. go down to 4%, mm-hmm. it just makes sense to do it. Yes, and I told my wife last night that let's run it by Clark and see what he says. So I don't want anybody to think that, oh, I said that you should do it, Dave, so that means maybe I should do it too. Every situation is personal on this particular question, and the typical person who uses a 401k to pay off credit cards 
on average, will have charged back up to their pre-transfer to a 401k loan balance in 18 months. I'm hearing from you, that ain't going to happen. It will not happen. So go for it. Go for it and take that high interest debt down to 4%. And best to you and your wife of four years. Thanks for listening to the Clark Howard Podcast. Download new episodes every Monday through Friday at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com. I'm Rob Cisternino, the aptly named Rob Has a Podcast, where we're creating fun, smart conversation around reality TV games like Survivor. And this March, Survivor Game Changers is finally here. Join me weekdays for episode recaps, player interviews, and of course, your feedback. So if you're ready for a game change in your own Survivor experience, download Rob Has a Podcast at podcastone.com on the Podcast One app or subscribe on iTunes. What we're learning about the Manchester bomber. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. The father of the alleged Manchester suicide bomber says his son didn't do it. We don't believe in killing innocents, he told the AP. But the father reportedly was a member of an al-Qaeda-backed group in Libya years ago. That, according to a former Libyan security official. Meanwhile, police have carried out raids on a block of apartments in Manchester. Witnesses say they heard explosions. Alan Kinsey was a neighbour of the alleged bomber. The actual family that had been there, I'd, I'd never really come across them yeah. in bad ways. It was always, even when I said hello, they never seemed to speak back to you. It was just like kept themselves to themselves and that was about it. The British putting more military troops on the streets now as police say it's clear this is a network they're investigating. President Trump has arrived in Brussels for NATO meetings after a visit this morning with the Pope at the Vatican. I'm Rita Foley.